What are you using your beard? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool story, bro. Check out Jim Bob's Grizzly Beard Care today. None of their products have fillers, just all natural ingredients built beneficial for your hair and your skin. The oil absorbs readily into the skin and does not leave you feeling slimy. Beard oil, beard kits, beard merch, beard product, beard whatever, they got it. JBGBC.com today. Sit up for first down. what's going on everybody welcome back to the lounge i am your host big box ginger with my co-host bro fiki how you doing man i'm doing great man i'm ready for this episode this even though yeah i can already tell i agree i agree (laughs) so our uh our wonderful guest darren dowler this guy right here darren dowler the wonderful uh all-around man here how you doing I'm great, man. I'm great. If I if I was any better, man, I'd be you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that so? Okay, I'll take it. Oh, I will take that's it. That's how as good well. I'm feeling, man. You and me both, man. I'm actually, I, I like. I was just telling him, I have a good feeling about this show. It's starting off really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always, it's always good when it kicks off five times. <laughs> <laughs> so i said we were having you on to talk about you but really we were actually going to have a beard competition and i wanted to oh. even the odds so i had you on oh okay <laughs> it's I like he doesn't him. have one scared you, you, you scared him there, there you go way to go oh, way to go man <laughs> oh geez i was thinking about that before we went live i was like this will be funny i mean he'll love it but then he's i scared him off what what the heck well, it happens. I mean, it does. It's, it does it, we get to thank we get to thank Mercury retrograde for all the tech issues we're having now. That's like, crazy. It, it, it is it, on it and is. off. Yeah, just back and forth. It's like, whoa, hey, oh, happened. <laughs> yeah, because it's happened a few times now. Yeah, that's like oh, that's the all right. fourth time. But he did say he unconnected his box. So for everybody that is tuning in, the uh, one person at the moment, uh, Darren is having some technical difficulties with his uh, internet box so and there he is again well hello <laughs> we, we can't explain what's happening but we're glad that you're back yes i'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here too i, I, I and, think maybe i'm the computer generated guy and i'm fading <laughs> in and out and, uh, there you the go matrix, yeah. yeah and then yeah. thank you guys for tuning in have a wonderful evening hello and goodbye (laughs) so darren man how's your uh time home been man it's been great man i you know i've been uh this last year has been so busy that truthfully uh being home with my family and just you know being at your house man being able to go out and mow your lawn you know and do the stuff that guys do and have a beer with my neighbors next door it's been great and uh yeah i'm actually planning on being home a lot more starting next year uh anyway because my contract with the uh uh, I, I don't know if we talked about this last time or not, but in January, I signed a contract with Princess Cruises to do a bunch of their ships to help get the ships refloated and all that. So that's coming to a close here. I think my last contract with them, at least at this point, is October. And then next year, I'm actually going to start looking for some. Uh, uh, I've got a band. Uh, my band's scattered all over the country, you know, but yeah. I actually am going to start auditioning some guys here in KC that want to 
do some um, some gigs, and so I'll start doing fairs and festivals and things like I used to do with the Raiders. And uh, oh, so yeah. you know, come back in off the ships. The ships are cool, man. It's really a great gig. You can't get a better gig. I mean, it pays incredible. You get to see the world, but you know, every time you go out, you're gone for a week. So yeah, yeah, and that's a totally different life for for a musician too. And like just cruise lines, you know, gone for weeks on the ocean and then back. And um, yeah. you know, I, and I imagine it's an that. Amazing gig. Yeah, I mean it's it's like touring, except you don't really have to go anywhere; they come to you. <laughs> yeah, you're you're just on on a ship, yeah. and you're like, wait, don't wait, worry about what amplifiers on stage. You have the, some of the best musicians in the business. You have state of the art lights and sound every show, monitor systems, a packed house every show. I mean, it's a captive audience. So I mean, it's just like it's kind of the best of all worlds. And the truth, oh. if I were to be honest, the truth is. <clears throat> Cruise lines have the money to pay guys like me where, you know, some wow. fairs and festivals don't have that kind of cash, you know, the cruise lines are billion dollar corporations. I, I've really never thrown a number out at them once where they haven't just said yes. So. That's incredible. Good for you. That is, that is. Yeah. And you've had such an interesting music career. So that, so to be at a level where you can do that um, is, has got to be a blessing in a way, you know? <clears throat> oh, it is, man. I count my blessings every day. You know, it's weird. I, uh, we were just joking about this over a couple of beers with some buddies the other night. He goes, how's it feel to be, uh, how did he put it? I can't remember exactly how he put it. He goes, how's it feel to be so busy and have worked with all these acts, but still be able to go to the grocery store? And I was like, it's pretty cool, man. You know, because, right. you know, here in KC, I mean, you never start in your own backyard. So it's like in yeah. KC, man, I'm just, it's great because I come home. I'm just, I'm one of the guys. I hang out and I, I've got a fire yeah. pit in my driveway. And uh, oh, <laughs> that's a thing. And, uh, yes, on we, yes I have one too. <laughs> yeah, it's never, the best, never, right? Never heard of that. that. That's incredible. Yeah, we got a pit right, right in our, right in the front of the driveway. It's nice. Well, I, I you know it's funny, Jesse. I'd never heard of that either. You know, and I'm from yeah. a, you know country based family, and I was raised in Florida, and then I lived in LA for 30 years. But when I came here, I thought it was unique because I live in this really nice neighborhood up north side of KC. And when I got here, I noticed everybody has a fire pit in their backyards. But what was ironic to me was every time there'd be a party or it was a nice night out, people would wheel these fire pits to the front yard uh-huh. and they'd set them up in their driveway. And you look out and the whole the whole neighborhood's doing this. Mm-hmm. One guy's cooking Philly cheeses. One guy's doing steaks. One guy's doing burgers and dogs. And you're just walking around grabbing beers. People are throwing you hot dogs. And I might be cooking <laughs> the Philly cheeses one week. I mean, it's awesome. It's like a tailgate party every weekend. I've been uh, here, okay. I've, I've been here my whole life, and that's just normal. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I've never even seen that. So I, it's funny you say that. So I moved to Utah from Florida back in 2001, and uh, yeah, in Utah we don't we don't do that. A lot of people get together on for like for dinners, like gatherings and things like that on the weekends, but that's pretty much it. I've never mm-hmm. heard of a. I guess I need to come visit. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you, Jesse? Where are you at? Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh, I love Salt Lake. That's a great town you're in, too, man. I love it out there. But yeah, KC is a unique town. I, I you know, my wife's from here, and that's why I'm here because I needed, I needed her to be near family for the kids because I knew okay. we knew this next couple of years I was going to be really busy. And uh, when I got here, man, I just fell in love with the place. I, I, I don't know if I told you the story last time, but I've got this move-in story that kind of is the, it kind of describes L.A. Kansas City. So I've got that L.A. frame of mind. I've been out there mm-hmm. 30 years, you know, doing my thing and. So we moved to Kansas City and we moved into this beautiful neighborhood and we're walking into the house. Right. And I see these two big burly dudes go into my moving truck. And I'm okay. thinking, 
oh man, I ain't been here three hours. There's guys trying to rip me off, man. Cause my, <laughs> my LA mind kicks in and these guys come walking out of these boxers. Hey man, we got beer. Where you want this stuff? I was like, <laughs> I love these guys. That's amazing. They're just, they just wanted to help you. Yeah. They helped well, me move in. They're like, they welcome, to, welcome to the neighborhood. <laughs> ah. Yes. We need more people like that. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's super cool. In our neighborhood, so like we'll we'll actually go out in the driveway and like put up projector screens and we'll like grill out in our front driveway, have a watch projector movies like on our driveway. Oh, that's that's the life, man. Yeah. That's that's KC fine right there. And <laughs> <laughs> did you have a question? <clears throat> uh, I I did for like two seconds. <laughs> oh well, one thing that was prior to this conversation was uh in your opinion as a as a musician like you know doing this for as long as you have would like the end goal be to be able to do a tour on like a cruise line like after oh lost him hold that thought <laughs> yeah i just want to know like because like you think yeah. about it like when you start out as as a musician and you're in a band right you want to get local mm -hmm. gigs and then you want to like tour do your own tour and then the next big thing is a music festival right and be a part of right. that like coachella as would be the top end goal uh and i know that just because my friends uh helped design coachella um from, from the audio standpoint but yeah, what he was saying about like cruise lines. I'm like, man, I, I didn't even think about that. I thought it was interesting. Like when they announced. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. You back. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, when they announced when we were young tour, where like all of the bands from like 2000 to 2008, like are all getting together in Vegas here like next month in a couple weeks. Right. Um, Some of those bands announced they're going to be on a cruise line for, for like a week, too. Oh, that's cool. So, so that's why I was like, hmm, I wonder. What if that's the thing? Okay, so the question was, okay. is that the end goal? Like, as a musician, right, you start out, you have your band, you do local gigs, then you get a contract with, you know, some some recording company, label, whatever. Then you do a tour, you get some records out, you know, you, you do that, you do some more tours, whatever, you, you do a festival. <laughs> I am really enjoying this. <laughs> I'm almost there. I, I always have the question out, and, and, then, and then maybe he won't try. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're going on nine minutes and 20 seconds and i think it's happened what four or five times now <laughs> yeah it's all good but yeah that was that was oh, yeah, my yeah. question was like is is that the end goal like what what is it like or like at what point do you have a sense of fulfillment like wow i did something i know like for like actors and stuff they want to star on you know in hollywood or something like that like right. that's like when they make it they, they get like you know uh a <laughs> grammy or an oscar or something but like as far as that goes yeah for sure <laughs> i got it shorter questions <laughs> shorter just be question. like, is that like the end goal <laughs> okay let's try this again i'm oh. gonna sign on with my phone hey so okay it, turn your turn your phone sideways okay here we go and it should adjust i don't know i guess <laughs> is it there it's, no. I mean, it's gonna work but it uh, will work yeah here, we'll, get, work. we'll get it going i'm gonna i'm gonna hook up a different uh cable here because uh, unfortunately i'm not sure why we're having issues here we never have internet issues in this neighborhood i was but gonna say I'm, last time you were on we weren't having any problems well honestly this this internet that i've got here is so unbelievably fast there must be something wrong in the system because i upload like two gigabyte films and stuff like that and i don't have any issues yeah so we're gonna try it's, it's probably my me being a ginger just throwing everything off <laughs> way to go jukebox <laughs> how's that is that any better uh, your screen, the screen is, is like narrowed in. You see, you see how you look. Yeah. Let's see if I can fix that. Uh, it's usually a it's thing like a full screen. Yeah. Not sure. Oh, well, 
Uh, anyway, end of the question was just what is that the end goal? Like, is that the top thing to be able to like go tour on a cruise line versus like going on a regular tour, being part of a festival? No, I would say, honestly, I would say not. Uh, okay. I mean, cruise lines, don't get me wrong. They're great. Uh, they have their definite pluses. And okay. uh, I mean, it's okay. a fun, I mean, I've seen the world in this last, I started doing cruises about, uh, about 22, 23 years ago. Cause I hosted the annual rock and roll cruise with Paul Revere and the Raiders for 10 years. Then I hosted it with another group for 10 years. And so I've done a lot of cruises. And um, I never did them like I'm doing them now, though I did one or two a year. Now I'm doing about 10 a year. And it is a great thing. Don't get me wrong. I, I would love to keep doing it because it is great. But I, the ultimate goal is a musician, really. And th this varies depending on what kind of musician you are. Yeah, You've got sure. guys who their ultimate goal is to just play gigs. You know, just as long as they can, they can play somewhere, they're happy. Um, <laughs> they've got um, another guy might be a guy who sits in his studio record music and and do great recordings and that's his his payoff for me it's uh the ultimate goal is to work with great people write great original material be completely self-sufficient so i'm not beholding to a record company or a, a corporate conglomerate somewhere because that's just no way to be anymore and um and honestly to get out and play the music that allows me to be who i am musically so i guess my answer would be playing whatever gigs you're doing, but to be you musically and not being somebody else and not, you know, towing, you know, playing for somebody else's dime. You're playing for your own dime. You're, you're, you're allowing your spirit of, of what music is to you to get out there to the people. So I guess to become you and to be performing as you, regardless if it's on a cruise ship, on a big festival, a concert. I mean, I've done everything from, you know, we did, uh, we did uh, Deadwood for 50,000 people mm -hmm. and I, and I played a gig for 12 people before you know and as long as i'm being me and doing what i do that's pretty much the goal okay okay so favorite venue or, or, or type of audience so far like like do you like Ooh. more of a smaller intimate thing or do you want like a big crowd like and, and i know it varies but like mm. what's been like your favorite experience so far boy that's a good question man that, that's a really good one Thank i would you. have to say for me let me think if I can figure out a way to trying to get figure out how we get this screen fixed so that it's full screen. It's kind of weird looking. It's all good, man. For me, <clears throat> I would say a gigantic gig that is like an intimate venue. I'll give you an example. So, you know, sometimes, like for instance, Deadwood or Sturgis, when we did those kind of gigs, you know, the people are behind barricades, <clears throat> you know, almost 40 yards from you sometimes. Yeah. Which I've never understood that. I like them closer. I did um I used to do this gig in Orlando called Light Up Orlando, and okay. I've done a, done a bunch of these. They're big city festival kind of things. There's usually about right. between twenty and forty thousand people there, and but they but they don't barricade it. They allow the people to come right up to the stage. All they've got seats in the back, and then the front areas where people can party and stand, and they can come right to the stage. And I found for me that a giant a giant audience that's like an intimate audience for me is the most fun. Okay. Like I, I just did a, I just did an annual rock and roll cruise called Flower Power. I just, uh, you know, represented my old band, the, the Raiders, on this group, this thing called Flower Power, and um, it was great, man. There were like, I think it was five thousand, five thousand people out there, four thousand people out there, and they were literally one foot from me in the audience partying while we were playing the music. I mean, I looked down, there they are. You know, there's no separation. 
And uh, that's a really good time. And, and then sometimes like when I play like a Vegas room or something like that, which has been a little while since I've done that, uh, Vegas is cool too because Vegas is getting a lot more hip these days than they used to be mm -hmm. in the old days. And there are a couple of venues over there where you'll have the seats like you always had in Vegas. But then the front area is sunken so people can stand like it's a rock concert and party with you up by the stage. And that's just a good time. When you, when you can play your music and truly engage with the people in the audience, whether they're sitting down or standing up. But for, for me, that's it. I like to be able to look them right in the eyes. I like to be able to communicate with them. I like to see the expressions on their faces while we're playing the music. You know, it's a big yeah. feeling, thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks, man. Hi. Excellent. <laughs> Hello. I got kicked off five times. It's my wife, fellas. Hello. Hi, Cheyenne. I've, I've met you. Oh, yeah? Remember Costco? Costco. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> they, sh they shop at my work, yes. I love that. Jesse on the right. Yeah, that's me. Hi, hello. Good to see you. Thanks for watching. Like you too. And yeah, she brought me a little bit of Joe, so. Nice. I love that. That's wonderful. I love oh, afternoon good. coffee. I'm not going to lie. That's one of my favorite things. I have Man, coffee before e bed. Evening coffee, actually. Evening coffee. I love it. It's, it's probably not good for your sleep cycle, but I don't care. <laughs> so I, I do want to I do want to uh, share this. This is what I. Uh, yeah. It, it's a, it's about you, you know, being an award winning actor and screenwriter, director, not ju not just a singer. Um, you are a very well-rounded uh, gentleman here and you've done a lot of things. Yeah, I feel pretty lucky. I, I get to do all the things that uh, I really love to do. And, you know, that uh, every day I, I pretty much say my prayer backstage every night before I shoot every day, whatever. I always say my thanks because I, I really do get to do everything that I wanted to do growing up. You know, I started off as an athlete and I wanted to do that, I thought. And I tried not to be in the show business because my family was on show business and it didn't go so well for some of them. And life was kind of hard. But every time I would try to do something, I tried being an athlete for a while. I tried joining the Marine Corps. I tried this over here. I tried that. I tried all this stuff to stay out of uh, the, the entertainment sphere. And I kept getting shoved back into it. Like there was no, it was really no, there was no choice for me. It was like, you're going to do this. You were, you were making two bucks an hour as a towel boy at 12 years old. And somebody approached you and actually asked you if you wanted to do a gig, huh? That is a true story. I was making wow. two thirty-six an hour. And this guy walked up to me. He said, <clears throat> Said, hey man, I understand you play guitar and sing. I need to, I need somebody to sing and play lead guitar for me in this nightclub across here. And I was like, ah, I'm not. Uh -huh. bucks. I quit uh -huh. my job right there. <laughs> You're like, I'm in. Let's do it. I'm in, man. <laughs> oh man, I love that. And then, uh, then for a little bit, it doesn't say anywhere on your IMDb that you uh, did karate. Yeah, I started off as a, I wanted to be a professional kickboxer when I was young. As a matter of fact, I wasn't too far from going pro. I was about a year from going pro. Um, I'd had a few matches and um, I studied with some unbelievably wonderful mentors. And, um, you know, I was in every sport. I was in football, baseball, basketball until I found martial arts. And when I found martial arts, I, I, I you, you know, you guys don't know what I mean. You walk into a room somewhere, whether it's football, baseball, and you find a place you fit. I walked in and I fit and it was for me and I took to it. And rather than a coach yelling at me to be at practice five days a week, I was riding my bike eight miles every day to be at the, at the, at the dojo five days a week. And I couldn't wait to get there and I couldn't wait to be there for three hours and be beat up and be tired. I, 
I just found a world that really was awesome for me. Right. And um, then I thought I'd tie the two together. You know, Don the Dragon Wilson, who was the six-time world champion, we studied with the same guy. And uh, <laughs> Don's a great guy, by the way. Great guy. Not, not that I tell you he was anything but that. <laughs> He's a bad dude. But Don's uh, <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful guy. I, I thought I would become a martial artist for the movies because, you know, Bruce Lee was a big thing to me when I was a kid. And I, I started doing that. I started getting into it and learning stunt work and things like that. And and then I started having matches, you know, and matches are a whole it, everything. You know, everything you think you've learned and everything you've done, it changes when you step into the ring. It changes like like real fast and real hard. Okay. And um, and I realized I was like, you know, this is a, I was going to work going. I can barely move my hands because my hands were. Beat oh. up. And um, but then I also realized, you know, I actually found that I loved the craft of acting. And once I realized that I had a knack for it and wanted to learn more about acting, the, the art of acting, I lost that whole desire to be a, like a martial artist movie guy because I wanted to be an actor and I didn't want to not be taken seriously. If that makes any sense. I, yeah, I know, of course. I'm not even sure it makes sense to me, but yeah, switch that up. But I just, I fell in love with acting. I truly did. And, and that's when I was a kid, I moved to, I dropped all the martial arts stuff. I moved to New York and Connecticut so I could be near the city. And I started training with acting coaches and going on theater auditions and things like that. But what's ironic about it is the martial arts has played a, uh, a really wonderful role in my life uh, because when I got to Connecticut, I didn't have a job. And again, everything I could find was paying crap money. I was a 17 year old kid with no education. Right. But I, I ran into this guy one day. This is the weirdest job you'll ever hear of in your life. So I ran into this guy one day. And I forget exactly what his connection was, but he had these friends that were Marines. They were young Marines that just joined the Marine Corps. And uh, he was a boxer. That's what he was. He was a boxer. Mm. And he said, I've got these friends that are Marines and they're afraid because they might go off to war. He says, and in the Marines, they're mean guys. He goes, but they don't really teach them much self-defense. He goes, how would you feel about working with these guys, teaching them some self-defense? I said, Marines, really? He goes, well, they teach okay. them some punches, some throws and some chops. But other than that, they just shoot people. And I was like, whoa, okay. So he brought these Marines to my, what we set up a little dojo in my back area of my, where I was staying. And these guys came in. And before I knew it, all of a sudden there was two more guys coming in, a local kid from the neighborhood, had a cop come in, the professional boxer started studying. Before you know it, I had a full dojo in Connecticut, 17 years old, making 10 times the money I could have made you know, working at a restaurant or something like that. Right. And I was having a great time. I was staying in shape. And I was helping people, you know, I felt with, the, you know, I'm, there's two, you know, I'm not that guy who wants to go out on Friday night and get punched in the face. That's not my thing. You know, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm out to Same. before marriage, meet girls, have a beer, meet, make friends and have a good time. I'm not that guy who's right. ever looking for fights. Martial arts was not that for me. There were those guys, trust me, but that's not me. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it was just a really great way of staying in shape. It gave me a positive mental attitude. It, uh, it's healthy. It, it keeps your it keeps your heart and everything strong. But I was helping people. I I remember I had a kid who was getting bullied at school in Connecticut. And first thing I always told kids, I said, "Look, I'll teach you." But the first time I ever find out you're using this to bully people or to just beat on people, I said, "You're done. We'll never. Yeah. I'll never talk to you again." And he was like, "Oh, okay." So I uh, I started teaching this kid, and, and all of a sudden I got to watch this kid flourish over like three months. He started coming back with a little bit more confidence, less bruising and more confidence. And before I know it, he, he comes back to me and he says, yeah, they're not picking on me anymore. He goes, I can stand on my own two feet. And you know, out of all the things I've done, that's one of my memories that sits highest 
in my hierarchy of memories because I'm like, you know what? That actually helped that young guy. And, and he was a different person. And I was always appreciative of that. That's huge. <clears throat> that's definitely kind of help with self-fulfillment. Like you did, you, that's what you were, your goal is as far as training them and it, and it succeeded. So that's, that's awesome. And the Marines felt the same way. They actually, after about six months of working, they said, you know, I don't feel like if I go into battle now, I don't feel like if somebody comes at me with a knife or if somebody comes at me with a bayonet, he goes, I, I feel like I know what I can do now. And it was kind of the same feeling then too, except there were, you know, two guys that were, you know, rushing off, possibly rushing off to war. Hey, my phone is starting to bleep. I'm just going to plug it in over here, fellas. Ah, <laughs> You're good. Hey, if you need to just pop off screen real quick, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're used to it by now. I got a new phone. It, 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 for some reason, it's not seeming to charge. What's going on? Oh, you're good. All right, we're good, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> and I love this kind of stuff. Like the stuff we're doing right now mm -hmm. is uh, just guys getting together and talking about stuff, man. Like, exactly. I, I love this kind of stuff. It's fun just, stuff, for and me. it's relaxing, man. It's just, it's just a nice release after a long day. I love it. <clears throat> So, yeah. so you got into, before you went to California, did you actually do acting in, in New York? I did. I did a whole bunch of regional plays and musicals. And uh, eventually down the road, before I went to LA, I did land a Broadway show and I did a Broadway show for a while. And then I did a Broadway tour for a while. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and New York's an amazing place. It's kind of like the old movie studio. When you get up there and you want to do theater, they're not even going to look at you unless you're good singer, good dancer, good actor. You, know, you have to be a good all-around performer. You don't stand okay. a chance. It's a waste of time. So you're doing all these things to better yourself because uh, if you're not, you're not going to get any jobs. So yeah, I did. I studied with some of the best acting coaches probably in the world and uh, studied for years and um, religiously then came back to Florida for a while. And then after I did the Broadway thing and I did some New York stuff, off-Broadway, Broadway, regional, then I went back to Florida to regroup myself and that's when I went to L.A. Okay. Would you say that doing Broadway, is that pretty intimidating? Because the way you explained it, it could probably be intimidating if you don't like have that confidence already. It was for me. I'll be honest with you. When I first got to New York, you know, I was that guy that I, I was probably like the, the lead singer, dancer, like actor guy in my high school. So I thought I was all that. And then I got to New York and I realized, oh, every single person here is better than me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I went, Oh, I got some work to do, man. I got to get, you know, those New York kids have been doing it since they were three and mm -hmm. I didn't get into music and like the singing, dancing music thing until I was in high school. I got bought into it because I was a jock and the music right. teacher offered me a deal to get into it. So I did. <laughs> so when I got up there, I, uh, I had to really work hard because the first year I was just not keeping up with those people. They were way more advanced than I was. Uh, but yeah, the Broadway stage, it, it's intimidating, man. When you know, you're going to walk out in a New York stage uh, doing Broadway material, it's like, whoa, man, this is like you're at the top of one of the games. And uh, and they're they're brutal if you're not good up there. I mean, it's brutal. The, the, the reviews and the reviewers and the directors and producers. And um, yeah. And but it's also the most it is intimidating. But then if you're you know, it's like anything else. If you work hard enough, regardless of what it is, you rehearse enough and you work 10 hours more than you should have. And, and you dive into what you're doing to try to be the best at it. When you walk out there, even though it's a little intimidating, you feel prepared and you might be a little nervous. But if you're prepared for what you're about to face, then it's a joy. You can enjoy it. It's when you're not prepared and you're not ready that you walk out and you're just a wreck, you know, and I've been there, too. 
Rafik, you got any questions right now, man? Uh, yeah. So with your career, because you've done a lot of things, what would you say would be like the most challenging or like what at what point was like the tipping point where you're just like, I made it? Mm. What part of your career? Like it, it doesn't matter if it's music or whatever, but like at what point were you just like two things? I made it and I'm proud of myself. Right. So those are two things that like have kind of stood out to me when I'm talking to other people. Yeah. It's like this was the moment or like after this performance or when you sign, you know, you got your first gig or like whatever with, with your band off the top of your head. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good question. I've had a few of those moments actually. Um, first time was the Broadway show. That was my first major achievement. I would say when okay. I finally got a Broadway show after probably 250 auditions and I finally landed the show and for the first time in my life, I was making real money in show business, making my living and paying my bills. Well, then I left uh, the Broadway thing and went into TV and film because I was dying to do TV and film acting. And that didn't work out for a few years. I mean, I did some work, but I didn't really do some work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then I was on a show. Let's see. Back in. Um, first off, if you can make a full time living, which I have doing this, that's <clears> one <throat> moment for you. right? Just the fact okay. that you can be the, in the one percent that makes your living performing. Yeah, that's a pretty proudful thing Absolutely. for you right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then when you have your, your you have your mountains and your valleys and, um, you know, the valleys are when the work dries up. But mountains would be like when I was on. I was on a show called uh, Criminal Minds back in 2008. OK, I remember that show. It was a, uh, it was, I was a cop on the show <laughs> and uh, we were in the middle of this big scene. And, you know, all I'd done all this musical traveling and playing guitar for people, singing for people, doing both. And I just been just gigging, making money, trying to make a living. You know, it's really a tough world. And I remember my phone rang one day. We had just called action in a really big scene. And there were like, I don't know, eight cops and 10 bad guys in a house, right? Okay. So we had, the director had just called action without thinking I, I did a stupid thing. I put my, I took my gun out of my holster and I put my cell phone in there because I was expecting a call from a movie audition. <laughs> and I, uh, and I, uh, Right as he called action, we charged in. My phone goes. Also, knife, you're cut. Oh, you know that phone is at? <laughs> the entire production team and the director, everybody looking at me, and I'm like, oh no, I, I was in trouble, man. That that cost a thousand dollars a roll. And so um, I looked down at my phone though, and this was the redeeming thing. So they're older those cats than I was, right? So I looked down at my phone, and on my phone is the name Bill Medley. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, Bill Medley's the lead vocalist, the dark, the deep lead vocalist of a group called the Righteous Brothers, for those who don't know. And and uh, they're one of the most successful recording groups in the history of music. Uh, they have both, they, have, they own the two top recorded and played radio hits of all time over everybody else, over Beatles, Elvis, Michael Jackson, everybody. Okay. And uh, he called me and his partner, Bobby, who was, I bet them both previously years before, because we sang in the same showroom and had dressing rooms right next to each other. And, and he has this big, deep voice. He's like, hey, Darren, it's Uncle Bill. How you doing? He goes, uh, you know Bobby passed away, and I've been solo for a while. And well, I, need a, I need a high vocalist in the band. I need you to get your butt over here and, and do some singing for Uncle Bill. <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, it's the Righteous Brothers, man. You don't say no. And then right. he said, but here's the catch. So we're going to be in this theater. We're taking over Andy Williams Theater. I think it was Andy Williams that time. He goes, I need you to come out and sing with Paul Revere and the Raiders first. Then you got to change clothes and then you're going to come sing with me. Now he's saying it in such a way. It's like twice the work, twice the hassle. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. This is one phone call. Did I just land two international recording gigs with one phone call? 
that's, that's how incredible. I'm and I'm like, oh yeah, Bill, I'm cool with that. I'll sing for both of you. I don't care. I'll go on the tights. I'll change into your black suit, whatever you want, you know. And so he flies me to this rehearsal studio where we, we put the show together. And before you know it, I'm on stage with these guys. You know, for, first off, Paul Revere and the Raiders, who's one of the most successful rock and roll bands of all time. I take over the lead vocalist spot there. And then I change clothes, half two comes on, and I walk out with Bill Medley of the Righteous Brothers with this huge orchestra and band, and I'm singing some of the most iconic songs of all time. And I'm, that that was one of those moments where I went, dude, I don't know where I'm at, but I made it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're talking about, I mean, you made it big before the height of cell phones, you know, before social media is the way it is. And there's something to say about that. I mean, that's... You, that, that's some blood, sweat, and tears to get there, you know, without just posting something random that blew up and now all of a sudden you're famous, you know? Yeah, I wish we'd had, I wish we'd had this vehicle back when I was like acting full time in LA, you know, for auditions and for notifications and for videos and, and sending out videos for auditions. This was a great tool, these cell phones we have now. And I, you're right, I had none of that when we, when I got started. I had, I remember I had a little Blackberry that took like 10 minutes to boot up one 10 pixel picture. <laughs> oh man. Good old Blackberry. I, <laughs> I got I'm going to have to replug in. I keep getting this low power. So excuse me, audience. I'll be right back. I'm trying to find power. I don't you know. Google fiber is having some kind of weird issues here. That's, it's all, you know what you do is, is you pop your computer screen on along with your phone and then you just toggle the ones that you need based on which one picks off. <laughs> That's the way I should have done it. Here, I think I think I got a way to fix this here. I'll be right back. Hold on. All right. We got some good stuff to talk about. Yes, yes, we do. It's going really well. We haven't even got to California yet. Oh, California, man! You talk about a dream come true, boy. Hitting LA was like the dream. Okay, that should do it. All right. Let's see if I've got your hair. Still looks like you just got out of the shower. (laughs) It it takes a long time. Oh, all right. So, all right, you know, back. Where are we at? You're back. Okay, there we go. Back. Sweet. It looks like bro fig. Oh, you're there. We're good. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I haven't right. bleeped out yet. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, is this about the time that you ventured to uh, California, or did you? Yeah, stick with that. I tell you the way it worked. I went to Reno, Nevada, for two years in. Uh, 93 94 i went to reno nevada because i got the lead singer and dancer job in a big casino show out there that is where i met bill medley paul revere and the raiders okay. uh, bj thomas all these acts that i met were in that showroom i spent two years there and then in 95 i just decided man i said i'm not only going to la i'm going big so i grabbed my car i had a bronco back then i had a bit i towed my boat to marina del rey california dropped it in the water i rented a houseboat and i said win lose or draw this is where i'm at and i'm gonna make this work okay i uh, got to la had my guitar in tow and I, I i think i got there wednesday by thursday night i was already out jamming at bars and playing with bands and hitting people up for work and and i had i had a gig at the time because that's a i had landed another music gig at that time which allowed me to go to la it was a group called the letterman which they they go way back before any of us. They're, they're they started in like 1958 or something, but they were this harmony group, and they heard me at the same showroom, and they said, "Hey man, one of our guys is getting too old to do it. How do you feel about joining the group and taking over the high vocals? And uh, you know, we'll we'll give you a contract, five year contract, pay incredible money." 
And I was, I'm in, man. Just, just ride it in. This was in Reno, and that's what allowed me to pack my car, my boat, and move to LA. So I was on the road with them half the time, and the other half the time was mine in Los Angeles to do the stuff that I wanted to do. So, and I had a lot that I wanted to do. So it was a, it was a magical time, man. It really was. Ray, my boat, my little cabin crew power boat was pulled up next to it, and I would motor all over the marina, go to restaurants and bars and stuff like that. It was a great, great time. <laughs> All right, I got I got a fun question for you. Okay, bring it on. Yeah, well, I actually have two, but I'll start with one. So, out of all of your travels, what has been your favorite restaurant that you've been to in the United States? My favorite restaurant. Yeah, like whenever you're in town, you're like, I gotta eat this place. Or I look forward to going this place on tour, or even like a dessert place, just food or like a drink. Where's your favorite? What's your favorite thing? Like for me, like going back east, like Yingling Lager doesn't exist mm-hmm. here in Utah. Uh, but there's a barbecue pit in in um, Momo's Barbecue in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. is like one of my favorite places I've ever eaten. So I love traveling there. And then, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so I was just curious. Like, what is, what's your spot? What do you look forward to? Well, I'll tell you. One of my favorite places is up in Juneau, Alaska. It's called the Alaska okay. Fish House. Okay. And you walk in there, and they give you these huge pieces of breaded halibut, salmon, or cod, your choice with these fresh fries. But I mean, it's literally pulled up out of the water, diced up, breaded and fried right there. Whoa. Okay. So I'm lucky enough though, since I haven't been in Kansas city my whole life. Uh, one of my favorite restaurants that I go almost every week is right here in KC. It's called Jack stack. I go there. When I get off the plane, we sometimes go straight to Jack stack. Me and the girls, we get this huge, but this huge platter. Yeah. (laughs) Go there too. (laughs) Yes. I've been there several times. Oh man, I love that place. It's it's very very popular. The old oyster house in Boston is also very cool. Oyster house in Boston. I'm not an oyster. I'm not into oysters. I, the the texture of them just ugh. Yeah. Well, they have basically. Is it, am I, getting, I want to make sure I'm using the right. Uh, I think it is called the oyster house. It's one of the oldest operating um, restaurants in the U.S. But what's cool about this place is it is the actual restaurant in the same location with the same booths upstairs that the founding fathers sat in when they were planning the revolution. Whoa. Wow. That is amazing story. Okay. All the presidents have sat up there, but they have some of the best clam chowder. You can get Maine lobster in there. You can get some of the most unbelievable red snapper. And uh, I'm a big fish guy, so I love fish. I haven't noticed with, with the last couple of things you said from, from the fish house (laughs) to the oysters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah and growing up in daytona beach man i'll tell you going out and getting a pitcher of beer and having uh you know a dozen oysters on crackers with cocktail sauce and horseradish that was a good time man that was a good time good old daytona i, d- beach. I do want to share this this is a pretty good picture right here uh, oh oh yeah that's <clears throat> Tony butala by the way that is the founder of the group i was speaking of the letterman that is the the gentleman who started that group back in 1958 we did about a thousand shows together, 10 years of concerts. Wow. And that was really special to me because, I mean, I always tell everybody, that, it's like, man, I'm, I'm a blues guitar player from Daytona Beach yeah. who, if he'd ever accomplish anything, and I got a Hollywood star. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I, I mean, it's Hollywood cool. star. Hollywood star, man. That, that's impressive. I, uh, yeah, that, that one almost brings tears to my eyes sometimes. <laughs> that is pretty neat. Mm. That brings me to my next question, though. Okay. So, ready for this? 
<laughs> so I'm sure you had like a lot of fans stuff, but like, what is like a gift that someone made you or gave you like while touring or whatever, like from a music standpoint with, with you, you know, doing that, what's something that somebody made you or gave you that just was like, was super cool. Let me think on that. Any, though. anything that you remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to throw a lot of curveballs. That's what I do. Cause I, I, like I, I do like, that's yeah, it. whatever, like I'm taking pictures of, of bands when they come through town. That's like some of the questions I ask them where they're like, I'll watch like people in the crowd be like, Oh, I made this for you. And people are like, Holy cow. That's like the coolest thing. I'm like, I wonder how many people have cool stories like that, or like somebody like mail you something. Like, granted, like you don't want everyone to have your address, but yeah, what's like something? Some people will have like, you know, they go to festivals and like a friend of mine, like you know, he designs uh, some of the spaces, whatever, and so he'll come back with like the tour like poster, and it'll be signed by like all the artists that played on the stage that he helped build. For for example, is like something that he he does is he collects those. Hmm. I, ha I have a couple of those that stick out. I, I got to say this first one just to get it out there. So yeah. I used to go to the Carolinas with it. I've been there with all three groups. There's a couple of theaters down there. We used to play and when we would come, the older women of the area would cook up these Southern Carolina dinners for us for the show. We'd always have a dinner right before the concert, which yeah. never made sense to me because I was always full, but we would have this beautiful dinner and these Southern women would bring all this incredible food in the Carolinas for us. And we would just enjoy the heck out of that. Another gift I got that was really special to me was uh, the Takamini Corporation. Takamini is a uh, acoustic guitar. Okay. I think they electrics too. Um, the Takamini, uh, one of the Takamini reps brought me, uh, one of my favorite guitar players is Steve Lukather from Toto. And um, he gave me one of Steve Lukather's guitars one night. He says, you know what? We gave this to Steve. Uh, he's played it in a hundred and he traded up for another model. He handed this one back. We want you to have it. Wow. So I had one of Steve Lukather's guitars for a very long time. Um, when I first got started, let's see some some unique gifts that were given me. Miss Hawaiian Tropic gave me her a bikini. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and, uh, that, that was probably memorable for sure. <laughs> Smell like coconut. And, uh, <laughs> else. and then, um, you know, little things uh, like kids would bring me things. They've uh, I've got a couple. They're not in here in the studio. They're at the house. But I've got a, a couple of kids. Uh, this one kid, I forget, well, forget what he had. I think it was um, I think he had autism or something like that. But he's a big sure. fan. He's been he, I'm glad he's doing well. Five years. I knew, when I met him, he was a little kid. Now he's a man. But he used to bring me things he would color and he would ask if I would put it on my amplifier while we did the show, you know, so, I, so I, sweet. That really meant a lot to me. Oh, that's really neat. My daughter, you know, when I had my first daughter 17 years ago, she would make me things like she made me a little a little stuffed smiley face. Uh, she goes, Daddy, I want you to keep this on the road so you're not so you don't feel alone. So I used to keep that and I put it on my amp at night and I put it in my hotel room on the dresser. I still have it. I have it in my bedroom, actually. <laughs> that's that's amazing i love that yeah things too because uh my wife and i are very close and uh and so she's giving me some things but uh, those, i guess those are my my babies okay <laughs> thank you for sharing that is it these are really good questions jazzy I, yeah. You know, I, I'm surrounded by a lot of very creative people all the time and i've traveled a lot and just for a lot of various reasons but like 
it's always curious to me. Like, for instance, like I, I did a, a post not too long ago. I did a video about like the things that we carry. So I realized somebody pointed this out to me. They're like, you have a backpack obsession. I'm like, what? They're like, you have a bag for everything. And I'm like, I kind of do. But my favorite book is actually called The Things That They Carried. But it was by Tim O'Brien. And it got me thinking it was about like a group of people in Vietnam. And it's literally like everything they had on them or what they had in their backpack was literally their life. And with me traveling all the time, I usually have a backpack and I always leave the house. I'm like, what do I carry? And it's interesting to me that like, like even with my necklace, like, you know, things that have given me like people bracelets and stuff like that, or like, you know, um, you know, one of my, one of the people closest in my life, they, they like handmade this little owl and I wear it every day. That's cool. I Um, like that. So I get to carry like that. With, I, so I, I put it on a necklace that I bought from a store, you know, and I'm like, people always are like, where did you get that? I'm like, what a very special person in my life made this for me and I'll wear it every day, you know? So yeah. it's just like, wow, okay. But what are like some cool things, you know? So that's where that question came from. And I ask everybody, there's, there's just a series of questions just come up. Like, you know, it's always fun to like talk about like, you know, what yeah. you do or who you, know, who you are, but like, what are things are always in your pocket, right? So yeah. everyday carries EDC. Like there's a guy that used to work for me and he, he collects knives, but not only does he collect them, he would like send them off to this one company that would like anodize them and they'd come back like rainbow colored. And he just did it for fun and like started a new business. I'm like, what is an EDC? And he's like an everyday carry. And usually it's <laughs> in reference to like a, a, a pistol or something, but yeah. no, he's like all the things that are in your pockets every day. And I'm like, I never thought about that. Like what? <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> what do you carry on you every day? I'm like, I always have the same pen, the same knife, and like, uh, uh like a, like a, a worry, a worry stone. I always keep that in my fifth pocket. Yeah, that's <laughs> so cool. Uh, yeah, that'd be a good like, that'd be a good section to a TV show. Just stop people and say, empty your pockets. We want to see what you carry around every day. That's true. You just gave us an idea for one of our episodes that we're gonna do that's for right. our, our miscellaneous <laughs> day that we're gonna do. Thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. that is good. Carry. <laughs> Um, Hey, so, I mean, and I don't like to be like just main questions and stuff, but I do love the story of, you know, your career. So, and, and and rock and roll, the movie is fantastic. (laughs) And in my opinion, the the comical aspect to it and your humor, it just kind of gives this natural vibe. And and I'm curious, what made you want to get into producing, um, your own movie? Well, I, uh, I've been fascinated with movies and cameras since I was a little kid. My mom used to joke because I, you know, I was raised by a single mom. So she'd come home. She'd say I'd be behind the couch with my little play rifle and I'd pop up and I'd know every line to the John Wayne movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then when I got uh, out of when I, I started teaching acting in, the, in my early 20s, uh, another thing I was teaching to make a living while I was trying to get going in business. And... Uh, then, like you, uh, Jesse, I, I got really into cameras. I got into okay. photography and cameras, and I studied with some really top photographers in, in Florida when I was down there. They, these guys taught me how to shoot. And then I got into cinema cameras and, and video and film cameras. I start, When I started, I was shooting on 16-millimeter film, you know? Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, and I got really, really into it. And I'm still that way. If you could see around my studio right now, it's nothing but guitars and film stuff. It's all it is. Cameras. Yeah. There's there's a set list over there. There's a production board. It's all it's everywhere, and uh, so I, I think what happened was I like th- the only way I can describe it is I never felt satisfied just playing guitar. I never mm-hmm. felt satisfied just writing a song or just singing or taking a picture. But where I do feel satisfied is when I'm 
shooting something and I know that I'm going to have input 300 on it. Like, so I started doing short films in my acting classes. My, my acting school used to be called the acting, the actor shop in Orlando back in the early nineties. And there were only two real acting schools in Florida, mine and Burt Reynolds down at Jupiter. So we had our pick of the students, you know, it was, we were packed. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I started getting into these back then. There were SVHS video cameras, you know. We were all excited about, ooh, I bet it's got 400, you know. And, uh, and these things, you know, you balance them once, they look terrible. But we got really into that stuff. I started shooting commercials. And uh, and I just found that uh, I, I, I was just so into the whole storytelling aspect and artistic. But see, when I'm shooting something, I'm not just shooting the video. I'm, 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 I'm hearing the dialogue. I'm seeing the picture and I'm hearing the music in my head at the same time. Okay. That gives me my 360 degree creativity where I feel satisfied. So right. I'd been on a million sets by then, by the time I'd made rock and roll the movie and I'd planned my own TV show and movie for 10 years prior to that. It just, it took 10 years to do it. Yeah. So by the time we got rock and roll, the movie scripted, budgeted, got a producer behind it, got a crew got a cast, you know, uh, the day I walked on set, my wife says it best. She goes, you know, it was so funny. She goes, I'd seen you act, I'd seen you sing. She goes, but when you walked on that set as director for the first time, she goes, it was like, wa- it was like watching somebody walk into the house they should have lived. You just walked in, took over, and you guys started rolling film. And I thought you'd done it a thousand times. Wow. And, and I, ma- I learned to make movies a different way than most people. I learned... First, I learned camera. I learned camera first, and then I learned editing. I had a friend of mine who was a top trailer editor in LA teach me how to edit. And then I learned music software, and I started putting all these three elements together. And what's funny is I'm the, most people go to film school and then make a film. Well, I had made dozen commercials, two, three television pilots, and three films, and then I went to film school. I went to film school later. And so by the time I went to film school, it was kind of like I was kind of learning stuff that I'd already learned, but they were just categorizing it for me and kind of making it orderly. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I've been interested in making movies since I was a little kid. And then when I sit at the editing board at night and we've got some good footage of some good actors and beautiful cinematography and I've got some music beds I'm getting ready to bring in. And that's where, uh, man, she'll tell you, if you ask me, I'll put three cups of coffee. I'll slam them on the desk. It could be midnight. I don't care. I'll be, I'll be like, I'm going to be in here for at least eight hours. I'll see you in a little while. And I just get into it, man. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just, like I said, I don't, I just think I'm a really lucky guy because I, like I said, those are four of the five things I love to do right there. Yeah. And I get to do them to make my living. And it's like, and that could end at any moment. I mean, especially yeah. as weird as our country is right now, who oh, knows yeah. what's going to be happening here in six months. You know, and so I just I just really try to be grateful that I get to do it every single day. I try every night back to do this. I'm grateful I get to do this with guys like you. Every time mm-hmm. I get to hire actors or hire musicians, I just feel like, wow, how lucky am I, man? I'm getting to do this great thing. And I actually get paid for it. You know, that's yeah. the weird thing. Every time I get a check, it's just a bonus. I'm like, oh, I'd have done it for nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I am curious because, you know, and this is that's similar for me, obviously not nearly on your level. But when I first had a guest on on this show, because so when COVID hit, I wanted to do something and I found an app that lets you do podcasts. And and I didn't really know what podcast was. Mm -hmm. So I did like a 30 minute episode just ranting and I can't remember what it was about, but it was just me. (laughs) 
And I was like, okay, this is funny. I could probably get a couple episodes out there, just see what happens. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm posting some clips on Facebook and someone reaches out to me. Actually, how I met you, I don't, I don't talk to them anymore, but, uh, um, hey, you know, I know some interesting people. I'd love to have them on your show. And as soon as I had a guest on this show, it changed everything. Just, I'm, I'm such an easy to talk to person and I love meeting people that, the chances of meeting in real life can be next to none. And Hey, we've met several times, but I've talked to people in Australia, you know, like just, it's the most random awesome things. <laughs> so there are wonderful things about technology. And that's why I just continue to do this. Like it's, it's just so nice to meet people. Jesse, same, same with you. You know, I'm on TikTok. Yeah. And honestly, same thing with me with a camera. So like I was given a camera for my birthday in 2019 so march 2019 and then actually today three years ago i i was asked it's actually uh my friend's birthday and he asked me to come and photograph his birthday bash i had no idea what it was but he knew i had a camera and i was just i wanted to learn and he's like hey come come photograph my my birthday bash it's at you know one of the one of the places down in Salt Lake, I've never been there. It's called the Metro Musical. I'm like, sweet. Had no idea that like it was a drag show and it was a <laughs> performance. Never knew what it was. And I'm like, okay, this is amazing. But I had, I've never heard of it. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to have some drag celebrities. And I'm like, what is a drag celebrity? For one? <laughs> and it was just like, just take pictures, whatever. And then I did it. And then I went home and I edited. I learned how to edit everything by myself in Lightroom, like self-taught, like this is before COVID hit. And the promoter of the show reaches out to me and he's like, Hey, I love your work. Will you send me some of the, you know, will you send me this content? And I did. And he's like, I actually book a lot of concerts too. And, and I have the red jumpsuit apparatus coming on up soon here in, in February. Would you want to photograph it for me? And I'm like, wait, the, the band from back when I was in high school. And, and he's like, yeah, I'm like th- these guys. I'm like, sure. I'd love to. So that's how my whole thing started was just, I got a camera as a gift and a friend of mine asked me to photograph his birthday party. And then here we are three years later. And I'm like, I've done a lot of cool things with the camera. Like, <laughs> but it was like literally just a gift to like take photos of my kids with. And then here I am like yeah, hanging out with some of my favorite musicians now, like my favorite band, like, you know, in early two thousands, I've like got to photograph like three or four times because of it. And then, you know, turned into like, now I'm doing videos and stuff. So kind of just like things just kind of just happened. So it's kind of interesting. Here we are on this podcast because you during COVID for you and for me, I had my camera and I ended up taking pictures of like a bunch of like just stuff. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do you want to take pictures of my business? So I'm like, isn't it? Okay. It is. Yeah. I love it. The camera is like, for me, it's like what I see through my own eyes is not what I try to see through the camera. I try to, when I take a picture of something or video something or whatever I'm doing, I try to see something I can't see with my own eyes. I try to set it up in such a way that I can't see it. I want it to be more magical. I want it to be better than what I see every day. I want it to be perfect, you know? And, and, um, like you, I got into photography way. I was back in my early twenties when I I had a little studio actually at the actor shop. I had a, I did all the headshots for my students and stuff like that. And I did a bunch of, I did a bunch of the work for Hawaiian Tropic and those kind of people. And, um, it, a camera is just—I don't know how to put it, man. It's just a gratifying thing when you when you take a picture that comes out great. That's a—that's the same as a song that comes out great or a movie that comes out. You just look at it and you go, "I did that." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's art. And my biggest thing in, in in jukebox, you can you know kind of add into that is like uh, 
I want to help tell people's stories and, and the way that I share my art with the world is I capture moments for people. I'm not a photographer. I capture moments. Mm -hmm. Like I was on stage. It was the biggest festival I've ever been at on stage doing photos of, of a musician just recently where there's like 15,000 people in the crowd and I'm just standing up there. Wow. And I, I got a photo of him and his facial expression right when he had a drop in his set and like just the crowd went wild and I captured that because his photographer had to step off stage to go grab some stuff. And I'm like, this is the best photo I've ever taken. And it was just like, you could just see the gratitude on this guy's face. And I'm like, this is why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. And it was yeah. awesome. It was just like just one photo. Immortal moments. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's it crazy what you could do with the camera or like uh you know with you going into like acting even on broadway right like back then the way to promote those was to take photos of those and that's what would be in newspapers before social media was a thing was a photo yeah it's true you know it's funny they were so controlling back then too it's you know here i was in a broadway show for years i think i have one photo that somebody snuck to me oh from that show because you were not allowed to take pictures of broadway shows oh. back then it was real film they were big, so you couldn't get in. They checked your bag and stuff going in. You couldn't get in with them. And you also signed contracts for in those shows where if I was to release photos from said show, I could be sued for big money. So we just, honestly, back back then, we didn't even try to get photos. So I have so many things I did in my, in my youth that I don't have any photos of. You know what I mean? And when I was a young kid into sports and stuff like that, you know, I was raised by a single mom who had no money. Well, photos back then, they were expensive, man. They, they yeah. had to take them into, you know, the the two-day or whatever, two-hour photo and pay for the developing. And then they didn't come out half the time. And so I just didn't get a lot of pictures. And I think that's one of the But like you said, man, it's like you capture those moments. Those are moments that they're going to be around forever now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, especially now that like you have, we have the cloud, we have the internet, things like that. It's a lot easier to like store things. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I went to a concert a couple of weeks ago and um, Falling in Reverse was there. And ooh. he was talking about how he was telling everybody to put their their phones up, turn yeah. the lights on, put it on record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like then he, so the flashes were on and then he got his whole band together and they turned around to face their backs to the crowd and took a picture of the band with all these people behind him with their phones. It's on. one of my favorite photos <laughs> to capture for, for people. Yeah. It, it's it's, it's awesome. super, super cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. So I, I would like to play, if you don't mind, I'd like to play the trailer for uh, rock and roll. The movie. Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, where, you want to watch you it? find this trailer? YouTube. Oh, Is there a better place to find it? I don't know. I know there's a couple of videos <laughs> one on YouTube. There's one on the distributor site. There's one on Tubi site because it's its main main channel right now is Tubi TV. It's still on Prime as well. But yeah, let's see it. Let's do this. How long has it been since you watched your trailer? Oh, I, I embarrassingly probably years. <laughs> okay, let's check this out. This is new. I don't want to let you down, Mom. You could be a serial killer and a rapist. You'd still be our baby. <sighs> Some men are destined for great things. <laughs> and some aren't. I can hear the ocean. I love your car. What do you want for? And some will be tested. I'm going to make you an agent. Let's do this. But if you can't do it, name it. I get your car. Kid, meet me, Taylor. 
your art. Oh, I, I thought you meant her. Who is going to sign a 40-year-old drunk? Oh, hopefully you are. Steve! I'm your agent now! Steve hasn't even spoken to an agent in like 20 years, bro. How does one get the gig where they're banging porn stars for money? Oh, God, is that completely relaxed? You want to touch it and see if it's real, bro? No, I, I'm good. Thank you. You told William Smith you can get me a record. <laughs> Stevie's holding a guitar. I want to get you a record deal. Does drinking make you happy? <laughs> yeah. I'm flying home tomorrow. I changed my mind, dude. Steve Taylor's already got a band. Well, how long has it been since you've seen these brothers? <laughs> What's up, rockers? Welcome to the biggest, baddest battle of the bands we've got going this year. I love it. Well, I didn't know how to remove those pop ups, so I apologize. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time, man. <laughs> oh, no, that was so fun making that movie. <laughs> oh, man. And the like I said, the comical aspect is just so like it, it's almost I don't want to say cheesy because it's not cheesy, but it, it's it's just that simple humor and it's awesome. It's definitely slightly over the top, but not crazy. Uh, but man, that was so much fun. That that movie was so much fun to make, and I had some really talented people in that movie. Mara Marini, who plays the female lead, she's been on oh my gosh, The Office, Blackish. Uh, she's in some new movie, some horror movie coming out now. Clark Kelsch, who plays the lead, the young kid agent. He's one of the best, most natural actors I've worked with in years. Uh, the guys who played Bill and Ted, fantastic. My my wife was actually me too. Um, some of the musicians I had, my friend Jonas Garvin, who's a really successful comedian, was the announcer on the stage there. Yeah. Time, man, it really was. It was the hardest two weeks of my life. We made that whole movie in two weeks. Really? We actually made it in supposed to be 14 shooting days we made it in 12 because the cop the movie cops in la are such pricks they shot us down two days for no reason whatsoever just because they could and we were low budget film and we were in you know we were in like expensive neighborhoods so, so i'm sure some beverly hills neighbor complained or something and uh you know we're just guys we're, we're a whole bunch of young guys trying to get a movie made you know yeah. and um and you would think in a town like la that was built on them they might be a thing you know but um but no it's the hardest thing I've ever done, but without question, the most rewarding thing. I am curious because, like, you directed that, but then you're also one of the main characters. Is there a lot of difficulty trying to direct and act in your own film? Yeah, it's a, it's a real love-love-hate relationship. When I did that, I swore I'd never do it again because it was that hard. It took me three months to recuperate from those two weeks because I was doing 16-hour days for two straight weeks. Yeah, man, trying to keep every detail of a movie moving at the same time. You know, I had a great crew, and that's why I could do it. I really did have a great crew. I had about a 20-person crew that was everybody was on their game. Um, they really helped me immensely to get it done. I couldn't have done it without them. But as a director, you have to have literally every word, every detail, every color, every lens, every backdrop, every light has to be in your mind. And then I had over, you know, 30 pages of dialogue in that movie, too. So 
you've got all that dialogue you have to learn. And it, it's, it's so incredibly hard. And I swore I'd never do it again, but then I did it twice more mm-hmm. uh, on two other films and I'm getting ready to do it again on a new TV pilot that we were actually going to start shooting this week. But uh, we had some real major things happen over here. We had to put it off for a little while. Yeah. But um, yeah, we were going to be shooting a pilot for this new show I'm doing. And um yeah, man, it's it's hardest thing you'll ever do. But like I said, at the end of the day, when you recuperate from the sleep for two weeks or three weeks or a month or two months, whatever it is, you know, and you do get back on your feet, you look at it and you go, wow, that was an accomplishment, you know? Yeah. Do, do you find yourself critiquing yourself a lot? Oh, yeah. Any artist does. Um, what you do, though, as you get a little bit older, you critique yourself like crazy when you're younger because you're not as good at what you do when you're younger. Uh, you get a little bit older, you get more forgiving because you realize you only have so much capability. So rather than trying to force art as you get older, you allow it to kick back and relax and let the art happen. And then the art kind of speaks for itself. You know, when you're young, you just want to, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. As I get older, I, I, I rely on the team that I'm with because I'm a big team guy. I actually really enjoy working with teams. And, um, and you let the people around you let their talents flourish too, and you guys all just trust each other. And that's that's honestly that's part of the that's part of the joy of music and filmmaking and everything. It's the team that you're with, even if you're only going to be with them on that one project. You know, when I do a concert, when I do these ship concerts, I only I meet the band an hour before the show, and I throw my charts at them, and we we go through every song in the in the show for about an hour, if if an hour, sometimes forty minutes. And I just have to trust that these guys are so good at what they do, and they're so professional that when they say ladies and gentlemen please welcome and i walk out there i have to trust those guys and by doing that i found that the more your team knows you trust them the better they do yeah there's yeah that there's a lot of truth behind that actually the last guy that we had on he produces all of his own music and everything and when he does tours he has to hire guys yep yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah you have to do that's exact unless you're like one of these guys that these guys that walk out with a laptop and your acoustic guitar and do an entire concert with no musicians on stage. But I think is I can't stand those guys. <laughs> so many musicians need gigs, man. Hire some music. You're making millions of dollars. Hire some musicians. Jeez. Yeah. Fair. Fair. That's so true. Yeah. I feel like it's a, it's a cheap way, you know, to, to say you're a musician, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, they, there's a lot of money in it because you're not paying anybody. But, but like I said, they're missing out. Half of it is the fun. Like when you go out and play music, people don't realize we're not just up there playing notes. We're communicating. Mm-hmm. And once you start a little while, and once you get the groove going and you actually start communicating musically, you're creating a language. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I find music uh, really interesting because there's only one language that works all over the world it's like before the tower of babel it is music i can go to russia i can go to sweden i can go to italy england scotland ireland the u.s and if i bring my charts as soon as i put my charts in front of those guys we all play music we speak the language you know yeah and that's why that's why music touches so many people there's no language barrier i'm like i've got my music notes right here yeah oh that's that's really neat yeah, and then cool. I've got I've got these two. Notice that I don't have a pause button. It's hard to see, but yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Music Never is life, one. man. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's you know, that's hence my name Jukebox Ginger. I mean, it's I listen to so much music, so it's easy for me to break the ice and meet people. You know, hey, what what genre of music you like? And then most likely I know some of the bands that they listen to. Mm-hmm. You know? Because I listen to everything. I, I appreciate music. Um, even if I don't like it, I at least appreciate the fact that somebody's creating it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Not, yeah. Maybe when I come in to do this new album, I've got to finish up my current album right now. Uh, we're mm-hmm. getting ready to drop my new Christmas album here in a few days. Uh, maybe when I do this new album, if you don't already have one, if you send me a style that you like, maybe I'll put together a little, a little intro theme thing for you. That would be incredible. That would be phenomenal. Wow. Yeah, we've actually been, we've been, we've been we, talking we've been, about we, doing that. <laughs> we actually had this conversation earlier. Like, <laughs> we should do an intro and outro. <laughs> Let me do it. I'll do it for you. Sure. Really? Yeah. We, I would love that. Thank yeah, you. Man. Yeah. Um, it's funny because we, we both know many artists. And you're the third person today who said they would do it for it. Today. Oh, really? Yes, but it would be wow. huge. How awesome would it be to promote a show with all these different artists? Well, and we have a couple different shows us. too. Yeah. yeah. So this uh, that would work. be fantastic. Yes. Yeah. yeah, man. Well, I'll throw something together if you like it. Great. If not, you know, you can set a coffee cup. Oh, no, we will, we will definitely <laughs> use it. Anything like that. That that, it, that right there is an amazing gift as it is. Not, it is. I mean, aside from your time and energy right now, thank you so much. But like, absolutely. What? Love yeah. to do it. Yeah. Man. I would love to actually do because I've been talking to him about wanting to do live shows hosted <clears throat> on here. Like if mm-hmm. people wanted to do a live gig online, mm-hmm. being able to do it through a platform like this, because I can actually mm-hmm. share it to multiple different platforms at the same time. So if you mm-hmm. ever wanted to do something like that, like a teaser of an upcoming album or something like that, I would love to throw something like that together and you could just do it from your home. Yeah, it could just be like a jam mm. session and we can promote something that's new and like get you a big audience as well and then you can share it as well. well you know, it's, it, this is good timing because I was just talking to my wife today, or maybe it was yesterday. I've been talking about this for a while. I am thinking about doing something and maybe we could uh, do it in association. I'm thinking about doing a uh, live Christmas show from my oh, studio wow. here in Gladstone. Uh, I'm not sure. And um, I'm doing a uh, just a live a live Christmas show for all the fans. And so I, I got about 60,000 people on you know online, and yeah. um, they've been asking me for a long time. I didn't do anything over COVID, which I should have. I really missed out on yeah. on a bank there, but I just didn't do anything because I was writing and producing. And mm-hmm. uh, but I would like to do a live Christmas show and see what we can put together. I might pull in some um, Kansas City talent that I know from a couple of the churches that I work with, and um, you know just have a really good old fashioned heartfelt you know holiday i'll call it a holiday show because it'll be for everybody not just christians you know uh, yeah that i love that cool. so that gives me an excuse to come into town and i'd love to chat with you offline if you don't mind i'll just like <laughs> i'll get your email address i'll send you an email because i work on a lot of stuff and i would love to help you out with this because that's actually what i'm yeah. doing here in salt lake city I'd but like that give me a reason to come out there and hang out with you yes. Box. you're not sure, too far man. away <laughs> yeah cool I, all i'm all together. for it hey, like, maybe we can I, make it a live show at, at one of my stages here in town uh maybe we can make it a live show have an audience in there have you guys set up on the side with your cameras and stuff mm-hmm. actual christmas show for a live audience and just just stream it i yeah i actually I own a it. production company too that i'm working with and i've got a, a um, I, that's all i want to do is tell people story i'd love to pr- like just do this for you that'd be cool too that'd be yeah awesome. Yeah, cool. let's let's definitely. Well, obviously, you and I. Yeah, talk let's, all the time, yeah, we'll so. we'll chat we'll chat more about this and things to over. But thank you for the opportunity. And everything like this is great. Oh, I yeah. love it. 
And bef- before we before we wrap up, I, I'm yeah. I am curious. Is well, first off, Brophy, do you have any more questions before we wrap up? Uh, I don't have any questions, but I have a statement for for our our wonderful guests. So one, and this is gonna be kind of interesting because I I do a lot of cool stuff too. But <laughs> I wanted to tell you thank you for showing up for yourself today, so you could show up for us. Secondly, thank you for surviving 100% of your worst moments so you could be here today. Mm-hmm. Lastly, thank you for your time and your energy and your kind words and your stories and sharing those with us and everybody else that's following. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you. I see My, you. I hear you. I love yeah. your story. I want to learn more about you. And I'm glad that we, we got to chat tonight. I, I'm glad I got to meet you. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, make sure you come down the right time when we, when we do film this new pilot here in KC. If you're here you know, with all three of us, we could we could actually do a live stream from the set. That would be cool. Yeah, I could That'd come in any time. I, I, I'm self-employed and I travel all the time. So just <laughs> you, you tell me when and I'll make it work. Okay, you got it. <laughs> so, so, so before we end, because there's something that I've noticed this whole episode is the guitars behind you. What? Yeah. What, oh, yeah. what's the story about your guitars or, or just, yeah. What do you got? Mm. They're That's beautiful by story. the way. Thank you. Uh, each one of them has a very special place in my, you know, I take sometimes 10 years to find and buy a guitar. Okay. But these, these are real special. This gold, can you see the gold one up here? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a gift. That's a 50th anniversary Stratocaster. And it's a gift from a dear friend who had that guitar. I saw it. I fell in love with it. He doesn't play uh, music anymore and he says man he goes i really feel like this guitar should be on stage he goes i want you to have it and handed me that unbelievable instrument and just said please i want you to have this and use it on stage wow. uh let's see what you can see here uh the blue one the back blue here one the, blue, one, yeah. the blue les paul over there mm-hmm. that is a 150th anniversary 120th anniversary gibson les paul it's uh they only made it one year uh it's a very special guitar uh has unbelievable sound Pink Telecaster, you can't. Let's see if you can see this. Yeah, down here. Mm-hmm. That is a Pink Paisley Telecaster. That is actually the guitar from the Broadway show I did called Elvis and American Musical. That was the replica of James Burton's guitar they made for that show. Um, this uh, SG, if you can see it up here, it's the red one up here. Yes. That is called an SG Supreme. That is a special model Gibson guitar. Very few made. Uh, I got that in New York in uh, around 2000, maybe 2002, somewhere around there. Um, I was walking down the street, and I've never done this before, but I saw that guitar in the window, and it was so different from any SG I'd ever yeah. seen. I walked in, and back then I didn't have you know, quite the money coming in I do now. And I walked in, and I, I saw that guitar, and I told the guy, I said, look, man, I want to plug that guitar into that Mesa Boogie amplifier. I've got to hear this guitar. I strummed it maybe five times, played a couple notes on it, and I pulled out my credit card. You're like, yep, this, this is I the one. I handed my credit card and said, I want these two. I'm writing the serial numbers down. I want these two sent to my house. Just give me a good deal, but I, I got to have them. And it's the only time I've ever just on the spot went, I'm taking this amp, this guitar. I'm dead, dead, I'm dead. <laughs> you know, that's expensive. I couldn't afford to do it elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. My main show guitar is not up there because it's actually packed uh, for a concert that I have coming up. I have a stratocaster that i travel with that is uh it's called the california fat strat it's a very special top of the line fender stratocaster they made back in i think that guitar was made in 99 i think i bought it in 2000 uh it goes with me everywhere because it's one of the best guitars in the world but it's also just so roadworthy some of these guitars aren't quite as rugged you know yeah uh 
acoustics. Uh, I have a movie coming out called Grace of the Father. Okay, I don't know if you can see the red acoustic down there. See the red acoustic? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, well, that guitar I play in the movie Grace of the Father, um, which should be. I'm actually finishing up that movie. Uh, it was five years ago. We're just finishing it up now. Oh, wow. uh, I play that in a scene in the movie, and the producer of the movie, who is also a pastor in Florida, he said, look, man, I want you to have this, you know, so it's got a very special place in my heart right from a beautiful movie, a retelling of the prodigal son story. Plus, it's just, you know, anytime someone gifts you something that's special. Mm. And then uh, this is a uh, this is my main studio acoustic here. It's the uh, it's, it's acoustic. Uh, that is a Taylor uh, that I had customized. Um, it's a Taylor guitar that I use for most of my acoustic recordings. As a matter of fact, the Christmas album I'm getting ready to drop um, has that guitar just about on every track. And um, that is also the one I use when I when I have the time to go to some of my favorite churches and sit in for the service and play worship music, which I like to yeah. do, but I never have time to do. That's the guitar I take with me all the time. And, and I've got other ones that are kind of packed away in cases right now because I'll be using them soon. But uh, that's kind of the story on those. All right. They're all, they're all very special. See, if it. you would have asked me that same question, I'm like, um well this is a blue guitar <laughs> <laughs> this one looks like a flame <laughs> the details well, that you put into those like uh, talking about them lets me know that you clearly have a soft spot in your heart for for guitars i do and well there's you know when you play guitar for your living i mean any instrument not just guitar whether it's piano violin guitar when you do this and it is your full-time living those instruments are not only precious to you, but they are. It's like a vital like organ. Family. Yeah. What's that? It's like a vital organ. It for is for you to function. Uh, you, I can't like, you can't myself without them. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't do a show without your your guitar, right? Or like, and they're you know, all so different. Believe it or not, you know. I mean, there's there's an old joke. Uh, you know, uh, the there's an old uh, meme from the good guy, the Goodfellas, where the, yeah. the gangsters are all like, ah, and the, and the joke is, so I told my girlfriend I bought a guitar. She says. Are you selling the other one? Ah! <laughs> but every one of them has a place. Like on one recording, um, I've got a, a song I did uh, for my church here a while back that I'm getting ready to release, actually. Every one of them, I think, if I remember right, every guitar on that wall is on the recording because they all are so different that when you're recording music, the easiest thing to do is use multiple guitars to get the sounds that you want rather than trying to move a mic 15 different ways to make the guitar sound a certain way. Right, so, okay. They really, truly all have their place. My basses are over there, and you know, you got a bass, of course. But um, yeah, they're all they're all amazing guitars. But they are extensions of you, and even the greatest guitar player in the world cannot play every guitar. You just don't connect with it. I mean, okay. you can play the scale, but you're not going to get you're not going to be able to communicate with the guitar and sing right. from it the way you want to. You know, they're all very, very precious. So, right. I feel the same way with camera lenses and camera bodies. Mm -hmm. So I, I do understand that from a different yeah. category. It's the same thing. It's, yeah. it's a tool. It's your tool, man. And you express yourself. It's the same exact thing, I'd say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah. Um, I just go to work and then I uh, come home and do this. <laughs> <laughs> but you do it well. Thank you. You know, I, I think I have a natural uh, taking to just being a talk show person and, and a good friend to people because Darren, you're one of the very first guests I've had on and I do my best to stay in contact with you because I don't just want to talk to people on here. I want to make friends. Yeah. Well, me too, buddy. And you owe me some Frisbee golf. Ooh. We're going disc golfing. 
we're going we'll disc golfing. You just told me you're about to end your contract, so you're going to be back for a little while, right? He did yeah. say that. He did. Starting about so, mid-October. I'll be in town probably through Christmas, yeah. Perfect time to go disc golfing, so we'll make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do it. The other thing is, man, I'll just, uh, you know, if we do have a, a, a block cookout over here, just br- you know, bring bring your better half and come over here and enjoy the cookout with us, man. We, I've got some of the nicest neighbors in the world. You got it. We'll make it happen. KC's great town, man. I, I really found a place when I moved. Joke. I got to, I got to know two neighbors in 30 years and in, in, in KC within a month, I met every neighbor in this neighborhood. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're a very friendly, friendly town. We it is. Are. It's a wonderful place. Other mm-hmm. than, other than four weeks of winter and six weeks of summer, it's actually the perfect place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but I am getting the heck out of Dodge for those, those, those 10 weeks next year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go uh, work a cruise line. <laughs> Hey, you should do it sometime. You know what? Bring bring a couple of cameras and bring a a, a, a mini a miniature recording setup. And mm-hmm. before I stop doing, come on one of the cruises. I'll give you a tour. We can have some good discussion. You can tape the show live and add all that into a show. Yes. Oh, Jesus, so many ideas. So many ideas. We can sit at the pool all day with a beer in our hand while we're talking about it. <laughs> I will. I will do that with you. <laughs> Oh, Rafiki, you can join in you know drink you some kombucha i will Absolutely. yeah i will i will drink some kombucha i uh yeah i definitely will do that that's my natural form of alcohol so, hey man that's, that's the Everybody's, best time yeah yeah all right well I, you know we gotta wrap this up you know i'm gonna go spend a a little bit of time with my uh wife and my daughter before we have to go to bed so you Excellent. probably should do that. Uh, yeah. yeah you know darren absolutely. it's always a pleasure having you on man and of course we'll be in touch um brofiki of course, my co- new co-host of In the Lounge podcast. The Everybody lounge. check it out. Uh, Steven over here will be uh, making us a song, maybe, possibly. We'll see. Yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be great. soon. I wanna get, I'm going to get it done and get you a great intro, great outro. Just go get those three coffees. Beautiful. I'm, I'm doing it, yeah. man. I'm doing it. I'm working tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you have a wonderful evening, all right? Thank you, you so guys much. too. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Right. Be safe. Bye. You too.